I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the fifth element. Well, I highlight the fifth element of hip-hop, which is knowledge. Because rappers thought they could take me, but on the contrary. Now they're all in MC Cemetery. But since I'm a lady up to this day, I put a red nose on every one of their graves. Never should have they crossed my territory. That's it. Period. End of story. And let's begin the story of Big and Big. Very, very. More interesting. Yeah, more interesting than we probably thought it would be. Exactly, and that's why we do them, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we do these ones. That's why we do these ones. That's why we, you know, cover the names that, you know, history may have, may or may not have forgotten or will at some point. Who knows? But they'll have this. They'll have DITD for the hip hop archives. <laughs> Imagine if we we're in the Universe Hip Hop Museum. That'd be so lit. Oh, uh, right, anyway, <laughs> hi Ben. How's your week been? What have you been to this week? Well, I listened to What It Means to Be King by King Von. I think one of the hardest things for me going into posthumous projects is knowing that the bulk of the content might be made up of the very thing that cost the artist their life. And Von's energy and vitality on this project is palpable. It's infectious. Uh, the emotion of the opening track where he raps, low income ceiling, roaches on ceilings, you don't get it. It's, it's just... It's intense. It's a very intense listen. The autobiographical nature of that opening track sets the tone for the entire project. And it really feels to me like Vaughn is letting us into his thought processes as he tries to make sense of his life, his fame, the conditions and circumstances he was thrown in from such a young age. And this culminates in the outro, which is a deeply moving monologue on loyalty, family, honesty, being true to yourself. It's a very tough listen. I feel like the only disservice the label did was put too many tracks on here, and I think that was a disservice for two reasons. One, of course, is quality control. Chase the bag, hard to trust, my fault. Those are throwaways. They don't need to be on here. Uh, but if you do feel they're high enough quality to be included on Von's first posthumous album, why not save them? You know, this is 19 tracks in 48 minutes. It, it needed really only to be 10 or 12 tracks in 20 to 30 minutes because Vaughn's energy and vibe is so impactful, it's difficult to stay on his elevation for more than 20 minutes. I felt like the guests all skated. Uh, Five Year Foreign was amazing. T Grizzly was solid. I think that was probably one of the worst beats on the tape, that track with T Grizzly. Uh, Dreezy really saved Hard to Trust. I went Peasy was solid. A Boogie was a bit of a miss. I love the Eric B for President callback on Grandson for President, and I love the variety in Von's delivery, especially on Trust Nothing. His flow on there was stunning, like really creative and inventive. I really love this project, I did. It is hard to listen to, that's that's for sure, but vital, it's very vital, and I think it didn't fall into the typical posthumous traps. There's no need to bloat the track list with unnecessary features. Pop Smoke's label showed the folly in that, and I think this is good, this is well worth your time. This next one was well worth no one's time. This is awful. The Baby and Young Boy, better than you, horrible. I, I'm convinced this tape exists solely to prove how inept the Baby is, as anything other than a brief impact on the occasional feature. His fall from grace has been swift and absolute. From the peak 
of surpassing Drake in monthly Spotify listeners to just getting skated on by a young boy on a throwaway tape is awful. And it didn't have to be like this, and it still doesn't. You know, My Brother's Keeper was a brilliant EP in 2020. If he finds those pockets again on top of warm production, there's nothing stopping a renaissance. His lack of creativity on this tape is vibrantly apparent every time he gets lapped by young boy jogging at half pace. It's terrible. On the absolutely woeful woeful song creeper this is the worst song of the year man the baby begins he opens he goes a couple days ago he croons by the way he croons a couple days ago i fucked a fan we had a one night stand i even i never even asked her her name and then he says i'm not even gonna fucking it's the song it sounds to me like they're trying to be they're trying to be reminiscent of little wayne's how to love from the carter four but on that track little wayne was discussing and trying to heal relationship trauma the baby on this track is creating relationship trauma it's it's fucking trash and it doesn't help Mm. the young boy despite not having much lyrical prowess at all eviscerates the baby lyrically on every song like it's just unbelievable, man. I just, I'm I'm shocked that they thought that this was worth putting out. The fact that so what you're saying is young boy better. Yes, on this occasion, <laughs> young boy is better. Pretty much everyone is better. I mean, it's called better than you, and I'm pretty sure young boy wrote that after he heard the baby's verse of verses on the tape. He's like, oh man, <laughs> well, I'm gonna fucking skate on you here, man. Like this is gonna dunk on you from half court and. Look, man, they tried every contemporary sound on here and it does not bode well at all for the next five years of DaBaby's career. Creeper is a pop rap category. There's trap pianos, Memphis beats, 8-bit sound clouds. a fucking mess, man. It doesn't matter for Youngboy. You know, he has enough quality and enough quantity under his belt now and such a dexterous style that he can make two or three bad projects in a row and there'll always be faith that he'll come back around and lock back in with something new. Not for DaBaby, man. That was... You avoid that one at all costs. Uh, and finally, this is one that Charlie and I were talking about just before, Off Wax, uh, Black Chidori, White Melodies. Now, I fucking love this album, man. This album is stunning in scope, in execution, in concept. Firstly, uh, Black Chidori, and I pray I'm saying his name correctly. I apologize profusely if I'm not. He does everything on his iPhone. All his recording, engineering, production, graphic design on his fucking iPhone. So... You'd be forgiven for thinking this record would sound unlistenable, but it isn't. It isn't. And I know that some people might be turned off a little bit by that, but it just has this warm quality to it and envelops you. And the production from Protagonist and Sovereign, I think, is evocative and thoughtful. There's a calm poise to these beats. They're beautiful at times. The song Action Bronson sounds like it could soundtrack an entry into the Garden of Eden, but it's actually backdropping Ghostface Killer rinsing Bronson for ripping off his voice. Uh, Sandra Bullock heavily samples What We Talking About off Blueprint 3, produced by No ID and Kanye West. And he says, I'm wondering if Sandra Bullock a cougar because the heat blew a young boy right out of his pumas. You know, the, and the extra vocals on that song, I'm assuming they come from uh, Reezy Goddard and Nadine Marbles. They're fucking beautiful, man. They, they really complement the atmospheric quality the beat has taken on. Wild song. The energy is great. I really wanted to dive into every single song on here. You know, obviously the cover art is indicative of the direction, but to start the tape, we get 
the track titles White Melodies, White Savior, Arians and Dracos by Donald Sterling on track five, you know exactly what fucking time it is. And every single title on here, I was so curious to see what his energy and his receipts were going to be. You got Tom Hanks, Britney Spears, Action Bronson, Sandra Bullock, Tommy Egan, Nicole Kidman, Nicholas Craven, Jeremy Bentham. Every name opens up a discussion point or adds to the conceptual narrative of the record, with Black Chidori speaking only in points. He does not, he, there's no filler here, he doesn't waste time. If a debater slams the table every time they hit on something cogent, he'd be smashing his hands down after every fucking bar. It's mind-boggling. I'm not going to spoil the discovery from each of these songs because once you hear Black Shadori and Phil V skate on the second track and then you experience the way Arians and Dracos and Starbucks slide into the disgusting Donald Sterling monologue, you'll be on the edge of your seat for the next 40 minutes. You'll be addicted to the knowledge that Black Shadori is dropping, the lyrical dexterity he's displaying, the emotion he punctuates every single bar with. That's not even to speak on a features, man. Know-it-all's on here. Very underrated MC. JR, who I truly hope is beginning to get some of the shine he deserves. Numbs, I've seen popped up on a few drops lately, never misses. Patty Honcho, uh, one of the funniest people I've encountered on social media. And Elzai's on here as well. Um... Look, man, if I could sum it up in a sentence, because, you know, this is an, uh, an artist you probably haven't heard of before. Deeply powerful, socially conscious content to the point that I promise you without a shadow of a doubt, you will learn multiple things you didn't know before listening to this record. It's paired with top tier lyricism and production that tends towards the Griselda, Nicholas Craven, Conductor Williams end of the sonic spectrum. This is one of those records. It's one of the ones that pitchfork used to turn me back onto in the late 2000s when they didn't turn into whatever they are now um it's good man it's very good if everything i said to you sounds promising i implore you to go listen to it but more than that just share this kind of music you know fuck major labels fuck algorithms fuck payola fuck whatever else people do to get on just support really good music so shout out to black chidori that that album i really enjoyed so that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Well, that was one big subtweet, wasn't it? Um, so I began with my boy, XV, um, along with uh, Mike Summers mm. on the production, uh, Winter Wolves, uh, all caps for everything. Um, this is probably XV's best project since he returned. Really? Like a few years ago. I, I, I firmly believe that. Um, and it's, it's probably it comes to no surprise considering that it's entirely produced by Mike Summers who and they those two have worked since you know since the since the mixtape mixtape days uh, 10 10 or so years ago um so i mean they basically came up together in some fashion um so it's no surprise that this is uh, in my mind his best record since he returned to music um it's just uh it's just, the production is so fucking bold it's so strong bass all for hours just just coming for you every single way but at the same time you can hear xv so clearly it's so the mixing on this is absolute perfection to me like everything just sits nicely where it should be uh lyrically xv just i mean the whole concept is literally uh, one of these two clearly just binge watched some like wolf documentaries, like nature wolf, wolf nature documentaries, because that's basically what the whole thing is about. It's one big concept of just you know wolf pack, how a wolf you know how does a wolf eat? Da, 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 da. Um, so it's, it it goes it goes on that. Uh, it's, it leans on that a lot. 
uh, from start to finish. I mean, even by the names, Black Sheep, Wolves Out, March to Winter, Wolf in Sheepskin, Everybody Eats. Um, you know, it's it's very easy to grasp the concept here. Um, but even with that said, um, yeah, just eat, uh, XV just sounds just so damn hungry on this, and uh, the production is superb. Uh, it's ten songs, just uh, just literally just a second under twenty four minutes, so it's uh, nice and sweet. Um, and and this, and I think it's just definitely going to be replayable. Um, definitely something for the for the long list uh, later down the line. Uh, Jordan Rakay bruises a uh, little EP, little free pack or full pack if you count the uh, the live version of uh, the flood, which is in his a uh, uh, previous album. But um, basically, if you, I mean, I don't, I see, I don't know if like I should explain who John Rickey is at this point because I'm just like, I've, I've, I've been peeping him for you know years now, so it's just like ultimate crooning, um, just op crooning, and basically he just discovers synths on this EP. And it's just like, oh right, here's this instrument I, uh, that has been you know well documented, but I'm just gonna give this a go for once, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's just another. Uh, it's just another banger, another banger. Defection, bruises, lightning. Um, especially defection for me. Uh, the three tracks just absolutely hit. Um, and yeah, man, it's just a supreme, uh, supreme three pack slash four pack, uh, including the li- live uh, live version. So yeah, man, it's just it's just some good stuff all around. Shout out to John McKay. Uh, Ruzza, DJ Scratch, Saturday Saturday afternoon Kung Fu Theater. I'm actually kind of surprised that Riz hasn't done this kind. Of, well, I I say this. I haven't listened to much Riz, many Riz albums. So I can't say, but it's interesting of him going down this route of like uh, Riz versus Bobby Digital and kind of going back and forth between the two uh, uh, alter egos, the two personas, and obviously DJ Scratch on the production. Uh, production solid. Um, can't complain about that. I mean, yeah, you just you just know it's going to be fine. Uh, you know it's going to serve the purpose. But the outlier is obviously just uh, whether you like Rizzo as an MC or not. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think I prefer more Bobby Digital than uh, Rizzo, I think. I, I think I'm le- I think I lean more towards uh, how Bobby Digital go- goes uh, goes on the mic uh, than Rizzo. Um, there, was one, there was one track in particular that kind of just not put me off, but it was just like, uh, okay, so it's just, it's just literally Rizzo just saying stuff. He's like... Mathematics, uh, uh, kinetics, dun, dun, dun. it's like okay, you're just you're just saying words now. Okay, cool, so that's that's fine. Um, but even but something like Fate of the World, I think, is probably a highlight track for me. I love Fate of the World. That's a really, a really top tier track for me personally. Love that one. Uh, Koji Radical, Reason to Smile, definitely album of the week for me. If I do that kind of thing, I don't. But um, this is just this has been so long time coming. Uh, the amount of years I have heard Koji Radical on a feature on so many people's albums, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I need an album from this dude. Uh, just the albums he appears on, he appears on like Shy FX's Ragamuffin Sound Tape, Rudimentals albums a couple of times, Ret Free 2, Ocean Wisdom, Ray Black, J Prince, Che Lingo, Shalia, Blue Lab Beats, Swindle. I could go on. Mahalia gets like it's just it just keeps on fucking going. Like he he's on so many OP albums and so many, and he just makes a highlight for me. The amount of times I've probably mentioned him in in the past years have just been astronomical. But he's finally come out with his album, and I'm pleased to say it fits the fucking bill. Um, interestingly, I was kind of confused about the artwork itself. I was just like, what's going on here? Because he's like floating in the middle. Uh, there's like a motherly figure on the left and there's like a, a kid and a father on the right. Um, 
so you kind of just wonder what's going on there. And funny enough, it actually comes across pretty well when you actually listen to the album. Um, there's a heavy, heavy, uh, I think, uh, Curtis Mayfield kind of a tinge towards this album. Very funky. You get that from day one with a reason to smile with uh, Tiana Major 9 on that on the hook. Outstanding Tiana Major 9, of course. Um, Sago on Silk is just is literally just that, Silk. Um Cash on Born, really enjoyed that. I didn't, I didn't expect to, that to be a top track for me, but yeah, it was a really top track. Talking with Khalees and Tiana Major 9 again. Um, Payback with Nux, heavy, heavy funk on that one. Uh, beautiful with uh, Retro 2 and Shaka, Anywhere with Ego LMA. Uh, yeah, man, this is just an outstanding album, really outstanding album. Uh, only thing, only negative I have is pretty much... Uh, uh, I think uh, Lex and Moore's feature on uh, on War Outside. I'm kind of I'm kind of going cold on how she uh, performs on on songs. This one is I this one is acceptable because she just sounds clear. But she has this really she has this really groany uh, 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 de- demeanor and just like output when she when she gives her performance and it kind of just. It's kind of just like, can you speak up kind of thing. And I said this when I listened to her EP, uh, I think Government Tropicana is the name of it. And I was just like, I like it, but it's, I need, I need, she needs to be really clear in order for it to work. And this is probably the only time it's been, it's been like that. Um, but apart from that, it's just super funky. Um, amazing. I mean, even Pusher Man, BWI, like, come on, like, that's, that's clearly Curse Mayfield vibes. You know what I mean? It's just so obvious. Um but yeah, man, this is a top tier album. I've been waiting for this for years, and uh, it just comes. It just comes. Uh, it fits the bill, man. It fits the bill, and it's uh, it was well worth the wait. Definitely on the long list, definitely the year. And uh, yeah, I might I might give you a spin because I, I must give it a couple more spins this week because uh, I want to get just as, as a random just a thought about uh, what I've been listening to for the past like for for the start of the year. <laughs> I've been really hard pressed to find like uh, one like single tracks. That I really want to put on my regular rotation. I don't think I've added to my regular rotation this year. Um, I literally haven't. I don't. Yeah, I, I actually haven't added to my regular rotation this year, and I find that pretty weird considering it's already March. Um, not saying that I probably you know will listen back to all these projects or even listen Wait, to. Wait, you didn't, you didn't put find push it. and pee on your regular rotation? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. man, that okay. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 that's an L for me I guess oh, um, but yeah no, it's just weird it's just weird it's just one of those things like uh, I think sometimes when I listen to an album again and I rarely do because you know we listen to at least like five seven well five to seven a week you know what I mean I'm not um, I'm not spinning albums constantly like most people um, I usually give them like one or two tries but um, yeah uh, it's, it's just none of actually just like clawed me in the face and um, but even with that said, maybe reason to smile if I give it a get if I give it a spin again with Tiana Major Nine. I feel like there's some good stuff on that one particular track that's in my mind, but it's, I haven't put it on regular rotation yet. Just a just a random thought, um, just a random thing I wanted to just throw out there. It's just how I think. But with that said, we shall hop into our topic for this episode, continuing our Women's History Month celebrations with the real Roxanne. Uh, the <laughs> uh, it's 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 so weird because. Like obviously we did Roxanne Chante last week, and you know it was kind of it was kind. Of, I mean, if you know your history, it's kind of obvious that we sh- had feel uh, obligated to kind of uh, do the other side of the Roxanne Wars. Um, and uh, 
this is so, it's so interesting because off the bat, I'll just say I really like Real Roxanne's music, right? I really do. But it's so interesting just trying to get anything here um, as it pertains to like her lyrics or, uh, well, fuck it, her songs on stra- streaming platforms, right? I had to go, this was a strictly YouTube episode, and I think that's the first time we've done that. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it is what it is, but it's just weird. It's just weird how, you know, we were talking t- about Roxanne Shante last week and how, you know, she was kind of just like, I mean, you said you called her a lightning rod, and I think that's a perfect um, descriptor, uh, a lightning rod of just everything that goes on uh, for black women in America, especially, and then add on, you know, the fact that she was an MC uh, in hip hop battling dudes you know just the amount of abuse that comes out of that um whether it be veiled or not so it was just crazy and in this case it's kind of the other way where like real roxanne has just been like historically just left in the dust in a lot of ways like trace amounts of real roxanne is crazy to think about um you can't find barely any lyrics on genius I'm not saying that's, you know, the the benchmark for anything, but it's just something I I gleaned. Um, (laughs) A Shane on stream platforms, like I said. It's just fascinating. It really is just fascinating of how, not wiped from history she is, but very close, like extremely close to just being um, just like nearly forgotten in a lot of ways. You really have to try and find her shit if you want to actually spin her stuff, which I highly, you know, again, not to give it away, but highly advise you guys do because i feel like this is some of the she has some of the best stuff um one of my favorite 80s albums i think 80s hip-hop albums um i'll say that right 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 uh, right away um but yeah man it's it's such it's it's fascinating and uh and i said let's just hop into a ben on the story front what have you got first today? yeah i mean no no conversation about the legendary roxanne wars is complete without tying it up with the real roxanne I have to obviously preface this episode with a little bit of history of UTFO because we spoke in depth mm-hmm. last week about Roxanne's Revenge, Shantae, Marley Mall, Juice Crew, DJ Red Alert. All of these are still key players in the discussion around the real Roxanne. So the real Roxanne, uh, my, her name is, real name is Adelaide, Adelaide Martinez. Fuck, I'm... <laughs> Do you know? Do you know how to pronounce? Did you not practice that ahead of time? You're like, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't find anyone saying her real name because everyone just calls her the real Roxanne. So I apologize. I'd say Adelaide. I'd say Adelaida Martinez. Okay, Adelaida Martinez. So she met Kangol Kid and Doc Ice in the iconic Albie Square Mall, made iconic by obviously the Biz song, and of course the truly legendary battle between Biz and Big Daddy Kane. I want to talk about that mm. one day. I assume it's common knowledge, but if not. Roxanne Roxanne was recorded before Martinez became involved, completely recorded before she became involved. Now, Martinez told Rap Industry this, Full Force was looking for someone to play the permanent role of Roxanne, even though they had already cut the track with someone they picked out of a club whom, by the way, had absolutely no rap experience. They utilized her for an answer back to outbid Roxanne Shantae's track. It seems that while they try to create this character, they were having issues, and that's when I was asked by Paul Anthony if I would audition for the guys. I said sure, and I did, and I slipped on the glass shoe. Now, Full Force dropped this Facebook post back in 2015. The original Real Roxanne was Elise Jack, who originally recorded this top 25 song, The Real Roxanne, with UTFO. Very soon after, Martinez became the new pictorial video 
and recording face of the real Roxanne. So Elise Jack was the original Roxanne, and that's how she's known. The original Roxanne is Elise Jack. In another interview, Martinez said this, I knew Paul Anthony from full force. We worked across the street from each other. It's now the story with UTFO. It's the story with me and Paul. Because when Paul had first spoken to me, I was singing Mary Jane Girls all night long. One of my favorite songs. I'm singing. I'm a waitress at the diner. You know, rush hour. Here comes Paul. And I'm like, okay, here's another knucklehead that's about to get on my nerves. I'm like, yeah, I can sing and what? He's like, wow, okay, slow down. He introduced himself to me. He was like, you know this group, UTFO, Roxanne, Roxanne? We became friends and they were having an issue. They had found out someone called Elise Jack. Sorry, they had found someone called Elise Jack. So they took this girl out of a club. They put her in a studio so that she could record the real Roxanne record because at that time, Shante had come out and they wanted their own Roxanne. It didn't work out with Elise Jack. They had issues. They had so many different people. They had booked so many shows and had so many commitments. Different people performing as Roxanne and they needed to narrow it down to one person. So Paul, knowing me, he asked if I could audition in front of the guys. I did. I went over to the guy's house, met UTFO, auditioned, sang, spit a few lyrics, and that was it. That's who we want. I brought life to the real Roxanne. I added my own ideas, how I dressed, things like that. My own ideas as far as my first album, and I was able to write on there and co-produce. And from there, I kept on walking in the shoes of the real Roxanne. So I'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, Obviously, when Roxanne, Roxanne blew up, We knew from last week that UTFO didn't expect it to hit the way that it did and they definitely did not expect a 14-year-old battle rapper to skate all over their track and eviscerate them and remix their song and propel them into the stratosphere. But rather than getting sucker punched by it, UTFO saw it as an opportunity or actually more accurately, Full Force, the R&B group who produced the song, they're the ones who saw the opportunity. They immediately sought out someone to play a more permanent role as Roxanne in the ensuing battle. Kangol Kid um, told the Godcast podcast, the Godcast podcast, um, that he said that B Fine, who was part of uh, Full Force, the group that produced the song, came up with the idea of responding to the response. And Kangol Kid said, we didn't have time. We were just trying to catch up to the hit that it was. And that's the thing, man. You got to think about UTFO. They got sucker punched. They got hit in the face. They had no idea what was going on. Kangol Kid said he was in Albie Square Mall when he first heard Roxanne's Revenge. And he told the Godcast, I'm pissed. I've dreamt of this day to become this celebrity, this rap star. I didn't enjoy it yet, and I'm getting shot down. Of course we took it personally. We were all pissed off. So it's probably a blessing for UTFO and the real Roxanne that Full Force were emotionally removed from the situation. They weren't, you know, they weren't reacting with negativity. They were seeing an opportunity. They could see the whole playing field and their goal was to create this character, someone entirely different to Shantae, someone who could compete in the areas that Shantae couldn't. Martinez was very close to turning 18 when The Real Roxanne was released and she would have probably been 18 by the time the song came out. And obviously that song is pitched, or after, sorry, by the time she became The Real Roxanne. And that song is is entirely different to the way in any Shantae music came across. You know, you only need to watch her videos. And this was a source of ire for Shantae. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, but Martinez's history with music is hardly piecemeal. She grew up on the Beatles, Grandmaster Flash, Cold Crush Brothers. She said her passion was in creativity, whatever form that took. Music, fashion, dance, art. And she told an interviewer, I was already in a rap group with three other guys and we called ourselves the Choice MCs and we used to do local battles. I was like the secret weapon. I was into writing poetry, so that's how I got into rap. 
we'd do this show and they would save me for last. I would come on stage in like a gold sequin dress and spit bars and that's how we won the trophy. So this was an artist who loved I Dream of Jeannie but used to wear men's suits before anyone else was doing it. He used to cut up fashion magazines and create entirely new outfits from the pictures. Who grew up with four brothers and learned how to hold her own from a very young age. And I think the key aspect that appealed to UTFO when Martinez auditioned was the dancing because Full Force was an R&B group. Kangol Kid and Dr. Ice were a dance duo called the Keystone Dancers before UTFO. They were also backup dancers for Houdini and dancing was obviously a huge part of their artistry and Martinez wholly embraced it as part of her creative journey. So now that we're caught up with all that, um, I'll just reset the scene. This is the timeline. Roxanne, Roxanne drops. Roxanne's Revenge by Shantae goes viral. UTFO gets sucker punched in the face. Full Force have the idea of responding to the response via the real Roxanne. That song is recorded by the original Roxanne, Elise Jack. Things with Jack don't work out as UTFO had planned. There are rumors as to why, but I'm, I'm not the shade room. I'm not going to fucking go into it. Uh, Paul Anthony brings Spill Martinez to UTFO to audition for the permanent role of the real Roxanne. She nails the audition and she's in. And the, the wild thing about this whole thing... Real Roxanne, she had to dive headfirst into this fully formed behemoth without any experience in the industry. And I'll talk about that in a second, but Charlie, just, you know, I've just data dumped there. So do you have any, any thoughts on that? It's a wild start. To this. I don't know that many people, did you know that the real Roxanne and the original Roxanne, did you know about that? Um, No. Mm. Um, but I did know that basically she was just shoehorned in because UTFO didn't want to, like, I don't know, like, do it, do it themselves. <laughs> it's like, we need a woman to, to, to respond. Um, I don't know why you don't want to spill the tea, Ben. Uh, you're not, you know, like, why not spill the tea? I'm joking. Yeah, I'm not a, um, I'm not a, I'm not a tea <laughs> spiller, eh? I like, I like to sip the tea. I do. I really do. But I don't spill I like it. sipping I'm tea. Sorry. I like sipping tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sip the tea. Um, yeah, you, you, lo- you love some, you love some subtweet and, sh- and side iron. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think the the thing that comes across for me, and it's actually not even any of the the main stuff. I think it's the um, the upbringing that you kind of uh, briefly uh, uh, went upon, um, of how what she kind of like wanted to do, um, the four brothers part of it. I, it's just it's just adding a lot of flavor to what I've already listened to today and this past week. It's it's really um, it's really adding just a, a lot of depth to it um, now that I think back to it and uh, it's very fascinating. Uh, it's a very fascinating story and uh, yeah, again, like <laughs> she just got she just she was just like shoehorned into this thing and it's just like okay, um, but big ups to her for doing it, I guess. Like, you know, I guess a uh, opportunity comes, and you know, take it. I guess so. You know, I can't, I can't hate. Yeah, absolutely. And look, man, we know how from the Shante episode how intense the Roxanne Wars became. It might, you might be sitting at home thinking, oh, the Roxanne Wars. That's a just a little poppy thing. No, 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 no. Like as someone who's been dragged online mercilessly for the last three years, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Uh, what it was like being it's just me, any... me, 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 we do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's always about me, eh? That's why I got a podcast. 
fuck man like <laughs> i gotta talk about myself at some point you know um uh, so look my, good, bro? <laughs> <laughs> martinez and shante went at each other and even if it was pretty convoluted considering the real roxanne wasn't even there to record the original track you know they were still going at each other and martinez said this to an interviewer they kept me away from all of that there were times when i did try to do certain things with shante and she wasn't very cooperative she went off with her raps. I look at it as like, it is part of a rap thing. You had to big up yourself. But hopefully that they never took it personal was my thing. People take things too personal. It's a business. At the end of the day, you can't shake my hand. Then I don't want to be part of it. Basically, the exact opposite perspective Shante had. You know, Shante was, this is rap. If you diss me on a track or in a battle, you had better be prepared for war. Fuck the money. Fuck the business, I am going to end you. Martinez was much more aligned with the UTFO playbook of working a single to radio, getting it pressed up, sorting out things with the record label. You know, UTFO's label was so laser focused that they actually made pop art re-record Roxanne's Revenge because it was using the Roxanne, Roxanne beat. Blind to the fact, obviously, and this is where business always fucks up, the song wouldn't have been much at all. Had As in Roxanne, Roxanne wouldn't have been much at all had Shante not put her spin on it. So Shante and Martinez were already at opposite ends of the spectrum when it came to the music business and the Roxanne Wars. In a really wide-ranging interview with Rap Industry, Martinez said this about Shante. Personally, I didn't have a feud with Shante. She was basically going with the flow of the controversy. I believe most didn't expect me to be the troop I am. I am. So it kind of twisted some people. My presence, I believe at the time, intimidated her as well as others. Shante has her own accomplishments and no one can take that from her, as well as the rest of us, and no one can take that from us. I think at times she may have taken this Roxanne controversy a bit too serious. I was more focused on moving on to bigger and more positive things. I had a lot on my plate, so the last thing I had time for was feeding into negative publicity, and I didn't care if it sold, not the kind of memories I want to share with my grandchildren. That's that's ouch you know that wasn't in 1991 that was in two i think it was in the late 2000s early 2000 mid 2010s even and a 1990 interview shante shante said this is 1990 she said i give respect to mc light to queen latifah to salt and pepper and i give respect where respect is due and if i didn't say your name you know why now in that same interview she appeared to be critical of female mcs who use their body to sell records in a 2004 documentary, it was clearly still irking Shante. She said, they got a Roxanne already. Me, why do they need another one for? And this was obviously echoed in the song Bite This, which was probably the third round of the war, I think, um, in which Shante raps, the real Roxanne is standing right here, before accusing Martinez and UTFO of biting her. And when Shante was on The Breakfast Club a few years back, she said this, the record company saw how much money Roxanne's Revenge was making, so they wanted to create their own Roxanne. At the time, I had this wild bushy hair, I had a bit of a tomboy edge to me, so the label said, no, that's not the type of girl that UTFO would go after. And when she says go after, she means obviously the Roxanne Roxanne was about trying to pick up a girl named Roxanne. So the label was like, no, they wouldn't go after Roxanne, Roxanne Chante. So they said, this is the real Roxanne. We don't know who the other Roxanne is. And this is Chante's words again. What I did, because I was a battle rapper by nature, and this is, okay, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I showed up at her concerts, and if she picks up the microphone, I'm going to get it. Or I'll pull out the microphone plugs. So that's the reason why she was having difficulty with performing. Because I would show up and show out. That was real. That wasn't orchestrated at all. 
when the light-skinned girl Jack didn't work out, at least Jack, they went and got a Spanish girl. Now let that sink in for a second. Shante seems to be saying she would turn up to gigs by Martinez and battle her on stage or unplug her microphones. Shante even told an interviewer that promoters would get upset when Shante didn't show up to Martinez's performances. So we know how seriously Shante took all this. This is her life. You think about this, you know, uh, Martinez can say what she wants about Shante taking this too seriously, but she was a teenage mom. She'd left home. She was on the road for three years without a home address. She was in an abusive relationship. This is how she earned her money. She literally came up battling people and eating their faces off on stage. And I found it a touch ironic that Martinez proclaimed her previous group choice MCs would win battles because she was their secret weapon, spitting bars dressed like a fashion magazine, but then on the same token be like, well, I didn't take the Roxanne Wars that seriously. You know, battling's not that serious. So, like, which side is it? And when I listen to Martinez talk about it, she's clearly frustrated, but Shante was out for blood, man. And UTFO added a second record entitled Roxanne, Roxanne Part 2, calling her a crab in which educated rapper Kangle Kid and Dr. Ice set about rescinding every compliment they paid Roxanne in the first song. So they basically, you know, they just hammered her for a brand new song. Shantae would respond with Queen of Rocks, in which she claimed that Martinez had a face of a man. Shantae would continue lyrical barbs on Bite This. Uh, she said, all the Roxanne's intimidating me. Big Mama, she dropped as well. She dissed everyone on Big Mama. Uh, Queen Latifah, Moni Love, MC Light, more shots at Martinez, Sparky D. Martinez's argument to this, and she told an interviewer, "If and this is, this look, if you do your homework, I never really competed. I never had an issue with Shante. I was brought into this. I'm thankful. I'm going to do what I need to do with this blessing. It's not about I'm so and so or I'm this. It was more serious to me, something I wanted to take somewhere and do something positive with. Now, I can see Martinez's point, I can, but it's on UTFO in full force if they didn't fully appraise Martinez of what she was stepping into. She wasn't even the real original Roxanne. That was Elise Jack. And Martinez also said this. She said, I didn't expect this. That was the last thing I expected. I took the opportunity to get more creative, get more involved. I was so excited like I was going to bring new life to this character. I wasn't trying to battle people. I mean, how naive are we here? Like, come on. You know, the thing is, it's no shame to lose to Shantae. Everyone lost to Shantae. She was so fucking vicious that when she dissed MC Light and Queen Latifah on wax, then they, they responded. She didn't even bother responding to their response. Like, I'm not even going to read the lyrics out. If you want to go see how insanely, like, wild Shantae was, go listen to Big Mama. It's brutal you know this came out in the mid 80s you fucking hammering legends and you're not battling against this person like you have to there's no there's no other way it's the Roxanne Wars you know and if someone changes their name from Lolita to Roxanne which is exactly what Shantae did and then you go ahead and call yourself the real Roxanne you had better be prepared for Mm. lyrical warfare because that is exactly what's coming to your doorstep yeah there's, uh, I was I was imi- initially like halfway through you talking, I was thinking just like, hmm, this is kind of like how when, uh, kind of like not exactly like, but kind of like uh, when, uh, you know that uh, I I I don't know I don't even know Homegirl's name, but like she's on fifteen oh one right, and it's just like Megan the Stallion just like refreshed, like retread, like it's exactly kind of vibes, exactly it's just Megan the Stallion without actually being Megan the Stallion, right? 
Um, I think she did the bus it track that there was like memes and like had the challenge and stuff like that. I, I, I forgot her name, huh? Uh, yeah, sure. I I just know it's the I know oh, she, I just know she about, did the bus it track. You're talking about Erica Banks. That's the one. Right. I like yeah, Erica Banks. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure you do. I'm sure she's great. Um, but it's just it just it just gives that vibe of just like retreading. Um, especially from like the lab- same label anyway. Um, but yeah, I was, I was I was thinking that initially, but I was just like, damn, there really isn't anything like this because. Like I can see, I can see both ways here, right? And I, I didn't say this last week, but I kind of feel like the fact that Roxanne Chante put just Chante on her second album said a lot. Uh, said yeah, a yeah. lot for me, for sure. Um, I, 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 I didn't mention it last week. I was, just, I, was, I was, I looked at the album cover again. I was, I was like, yeah, it just does say Chante. That's kind of interesting. Um, it was obviously marketed as that as well. So like, I'm interested. Um, but yeah, I can, I can see where you know Roxanne Chante comes through with this, where it's just like, you know, I just, I, I gave myself a name, and now there's, <laughs> you know, in some way three of them. Like, it's, it's kind of just like, what do I do? What do I need to do to get some like identity here? And I can, I can kind of understand where you know the word, I, the term identity theft hasn't come through yet, but it kind of gives off that nature in in some ways. You know, imagine now, bro. Like, uh, actually, even when um, again, not exactly like this, but similar. You know how like when you uh follow someone like on on any streaming site, right? And you know they give you a they they give you like oh new new track from this person and it's not from that person but it's just from someone who has the same name and you're just like what the fuck is this <laughs> you're like oh shit new drop new drop because I got this from Dave a couple of times yeah, I'm just Dave, like bro you need Wiley. to Wiley yeah as well. a lot it's been a few really Wiley yeah oh, okay. Wiley it's really yeah um. Yeah, so there's a couple of times where I've just like oh new Dave track shit he's he's dropped a he's dropped a, a, a random one and it's just like not Dave, it's just like, why? Um, so, you know, again, in a way, I can, especially, imagine that now, bro, if it's just like, the real Roxanne, Roxanne Chante, mate, people could, people are, people are very, can be very fickle, they can just see one and just be like, yeah, that's the person, that's the person I'm looking for, and it's fine, and they don't even look up the other one, they say the other one's fake, um, so, yeah, I could, I can, in, and especially then, back then, where you don't have like, you know, people explaining shit, like, you know, you just see Roxanne, you're just like, ah, oh, there we go. Um, so yeah, I can I can see both sides of this particular thing. Um, I do feel like they kind of both didn't even seek to rectify the issue. As much as you know, as much as Martinez says like, I have no beef with Shantae, uh, Shantae. I'm just doing me. Da 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 da. But you, you you could easily just like you know switched up your name, and I think honestly everything probably would have like smoothed out from then. But instead, decided to drop two albums under the name. So so, so what are we doing here? You know what I mean? So I don't know. And honestly, I feel like it kind of benefited both of them. So and I think there's that thing as well where they kind of didn't want it. Didn't they probably secretly didn't want to change anything because they were both kind of benefiting in some way from the hullabaloo. Um, in it, yeah, did you have hullabaloo in your DITD bingo word bingo? You didn't. Okay, well you're fucked. Um, so, so, hullabaloo. I know. I, I I do enjoy saying that word. It, it, my favorite word is actually in, in ever is haberdashery. Fun fact. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I feel like they both in some ways benefited. Um, as much as they like get irritated of the fact that there's two of them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. Just a little bit of. 
little bit of understandable on both sides, but you know, both in some ways maybe a little bit disingenuous. Um, but I can see it. I I, I get it. Mm, well, I mean, look, Real Roxanne drops in 1988, comes out before <sighs> Shantae's album and yes. outcharted Shantae. So that's Ouch. another aspect. I mean, you're going to get blasted if that happens. You are mm-hmm. going to get blasted. But, you know, by the time 1988 had rolled around, the Roxanne viral moment was well and truly past. It's hard to deny, though, how listenable this album is man this album is energetic it's it's martinez hooked up with howie t for a bunch of these records a legendary producer who worked with chub rock special ed of course utfo martinez gets writing and production credit on a whole bunch of these songs which she says in interviews she's very proud of there isn't much information about the album um you know bang zoom respect uh roxanne's on a roll they all impacted the us r&b chart they also all charted in Belgium, the Netherlands, and the UK, which is another anomaly, anom, 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 anomaly <laughs> unexplained because this was a pre pre the internet era, so there weren't any think pieces or bloggers or tweets or anything like. There was no hip hop numbers in 1988, unfortunately. And you know, Shantae found love in the UK with a bunch of singles over there as well. But um, mm-hmm. Shantae never impacted the US charts again after Bite This in 1985. So. I think that uh, look, this is a this is a step above Shantae's recorded music, and I think that that is indicative of the fact that you know in Shantae's uh, realm was battle rapping, and she was always going to win that. She was just that's yep. what she grew up doing. That was her entire essence was just mm-hmm. taking people down, and she was so adept at it. But Martinez mm-hmm. was a completely different kind of artist. You know, she was a visual artist. She was a dancer. She was incredible with fashion. She was very creative in so many different realms. And it sounds to me like she took the, the business side of it very seriously and was quite savvy when it comes to, okay, how am I going to chart? You know, how am I going to make the most money out of this? How am I going to make the most listenable music? And she went away and got some very you know, top, well, some top tier producers gravitated towards her and she locked in and created an album of actual songs rather than an album of just disses, which is what Shantae did. And I, you know, it's it's different. They're, they're very, very different albums, the, the debuts from Shantae and The Real Roxanne. And I think by this stage, mm-hmm. despite the fact that, uh, you know, Roxanne was still such a, an evocative name, they had clearly diverged by this point and they were heading off in completely different directions. Yeah, they they came into contact yep. for four years, three years while everything was popping off. But by this stage, the Roxanne Wars were, were over. This was this is the real Roxanne Martinez standing on her own two feet and she made a really, really good album. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know how many uh, 80s uh, hip-hop albums I've listened to over the, over the years, but... Um, this is definitely up there. I think I really, I really enjoy the hell out of this album. I really do, honestly. I genuinely enjoy it. Um, it's just that kind of eighties hip hop that I enjoy. Um, listening to, uh, Roxanne's on a roll is just a perfect start to any album. I think it's just a outstanding track. Just supreme confidence. Just really easy flow. Just absolute. Just a, just a absolute banger of a replayable listen for me. Um, honestly, I feel like the deep cuts here are way better than the popular ones. Um, I feel like Bang Zoom is probably one of the weaker tracks for me personally. Um, but for stuff like uh, Get Up on the Get Down, 
uh, uh, infatuated, uh, look but don't touch. Uh, it's just, there's some just some really good stuff all around, all all the way here. Um, and interestingly, it's kind of the reason why I enjoy it so much is uh, if I put it, if I did a ranking of like eighties hip hop albums, I feel like this be high up, is because of the fact that it is hip hop in in a lot of ways, but the R and B tracks it as well. Like I, f- I don't, I forget which track it is. It's one of the f- last few tracks, but she's like straight up just R and B in, like yeah. she's straight, straight up like crooning. I mean, she's a singer. And it's actually she's, good. She, she could yeah, sing. She she actually came yeah. up more as a singer than a rapper, which is yeah, yeah. fascinating, hmm. fascinating. And it actually it, it's bringing me to. Uh, it's gonna be a question I'm gonna ask at the end of this. So I kind of I wanna I, w- I wanna get to, but um yeah, it's just it's just so interesting of how. Um, get all that information, and then you listen to this again. And it's just like, damn, like she's genuinely just good as an artist, like talent-wise. Like she's really uh, multifaceted, and it actually genuinely comes through here. Um, in in this particular album, um, even the album covers just lit. Like you know, the whole Louis uh, Louis Vuitton um, uh, suit going on. Like, it's 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 a it's a fire look. <laughs> not not a not a fashionista or anything. But that's a it's a clean look, bruv. It's a clean look. She's looking fresh. Um. So yeah, man. This is it's a really just enjoyable album. I I must say, like I I didn't expect to enjoy it in the way I did. Um. It's just a yeah, just a real quintessential uh '80s hip hop album. Just full of that good sampling. Yeah, I was obviously um not obviously but uh off off wax we were talking about uh the sample episode and um uh, I as I was listening back to it yesterday I listened I was listening to this and I was just like oh my god so many good samples so many samples everywhere it's just it just just it's just injected with good samples like, there's a Rakim one this Mitchell mentioned uh I think there's like an Isaac Hayes shaft I think I think. There's definitely Isaac Hayes like sample somewhere as well. Like it's just you just occasionally just get these really nice uh, things going on. I just I just really love that. I, it's it's why I love just um pre uh pre biz court uh, court case uh, hip hop because they just they just fucking ducking that shit with uh, <laughs> uh with uh, <laughs> with uh, with samples. It's 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 glorious. Yeah, absolutely. Then we get uh, never had get... a ducking by the way, and I probably never will. I've never, I've never had looks, one. I have never had one. That shit just looks one. wrong. It just yeah. looks atro- atrocious. I've gone back to being vegetarian in the last couple of weeks. I uh, much oh, prefer it. I much sushi. prefer it. It's just I never get the, I never get the, the vitamins I need and the iron and everything. But you know, I'm going back to it. Sure. See what happens. But we get, Definitely. we get the next album, which is some great advice. Uh, go down, but don't bite it. That's. That- that's- <laughs> You can get that tattooed on you if you want. But, you know, <laughs> I like this album a lot. I felt the production was warm. Uh, it was definitely speaker-worthy if you wanted to turn it up. Martinez skates on some of these songs. Mama, can I get some? Is a fucking bop. Her personality slathered all over that track. Felt like Influx was mm. a real slow burner for me. Like, I didn't like it at first, but it got better and better. The the mm. arrogance that she's just dripping off some of these songs is just fucking amazing. And obviously the key track is track 10, Roxanne Shit Is Over. Now, both Roxanne's had released their final album this year. Both had, this was 91, I think, or 92. Both had relinquished their name Roxanne, although both were still releasing music under it. It was a little bit of a a hazy area, but lyrically they'd often kind of said, you know, that's that's over, the Roxanne stuff is, is done. And it was more the persona, of course, that they were still inhabiting. And 
this is what I find fascinating about the song and the whole Roxanne Wars because both artists inhabited these characters. Both have been vocal in saying these were roles they were playing that gradually became their musical identity, but both rejected that identity at the end of their musical careers, which just happened to both be in 1992. I find it ultra impressive that Martinez withstood that lyrical assault from Shantae because not a lot of rappers even bothered to go against her, and when they did, they usually left with egg on their face. And Martinez took it in stride and ouch outperformed Shantae on the charts really comprehensively. But by 1992, eight years after the Roxanne Wars uh, kicked off, both rappers wanted out entirely. And yeah, man, I I, I will just quickly, because I don't have a huge amount to say. Again, it's a really solid album. Like, honestly, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's 92, so now we're getting into chronic territory. Uh, Doggy Style was, what, 93? Uh, we're getting Regulate, which was 93, I think. So we're getting into that section of hip-hop that we talk about a lot where if you still sound like the 80s, you're going to get left behind. And yeah, I think this album still sounded like the 80s. And if I was around in 1992, I probably wouldn't have paid that much attention to it. But it sounds very similar mm. to her debut album in, in that sense. And I still think it's a good record, you know, looking back on it. I still think it's quality and that maybe that's the thing that surprises me the most is that Martinez is the one that came through with the two quality albums. You know, Shantae, mm. we know that Shantae didn't want to, it's, it's just not what she wanted to do. It, it's harsh to criticize her. It wasn't her bag. Yeah. No, it's harsh to criticize her and say, well, she didn't make as listenable albums as Martinez, but she didn't want to. That's cool. You know, she didn't <laughs> want to do that. She just want to fucking hammer everyone on wax. And that's exactly what she did. Martinez wanted to take it further and take it into a more listenable more mainstream section she did that as well and both came out winners in my view um they both came out winners in that sense they stayed true to themselves they both lost mm. ultimately because shantae got fucking hammered by the industry and by the misogyny and, and it was absolute fucking bullshit and martinez got thrown in the deep end by utfo and i don't think properly prepared for what was going to happen um mm. i'll talk about why she left she she said I will always have love for music in general, but I don't have love for the instability the music industry can offer. The idea of relying on mankind to pave my future brings a sense of insecurity, no matter how gifted or talented you may be. Most of the time, you will end up following man's will, not God's will. In the music business, I learned a lot of good things and saw a lot of bad things. It matured me a lot more than I expected. Another good thing is that I will always be part of rap's history, and that is a positive accomplishment in my life. I brought life to a character, Roxanne, that's considered a phenomenon in music history in general. I actually lived that, and that was real. I still live as Roxanne and will die as Roxanne when regarding the music industry, and that's deep. I wanted to take overall control of my life, and that is why I chose to step back from the public's eyes and ears. I needed to reestablish my relationship with my creator and pursue things that were a lot more promising and with God's approval. I've been in the studio experimenting here and there. And, you know, Martinez was working in health for 14 years in an emergency department. Um, she was at college getting her degree in nursing with a forensics in, uh, oh, sorry, with forensics as her speciality or specialty. And she's a proud grandmother. She seems centered and at peace. And I love that for her. And, um, yeah, man, it, 1992, last project we ever got, 20, 30, 30, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Show your age there. Um, yeah, I think um, I have a similar sentence to you as uh, it's very similar to the first album. I wouldn't say it's completely 80s. I feel like there's a there's a progression there, 
but it's not astronomical in just how the wider hip hop consciousness was at. It was not the same speed as uh, you know everything else that you mentioned. Um, but you know, for you know, quickly, just um, I think the free track stretch of uh, "If I Can't Have You," "Mama Can I Get Some," "Latino Blues," I really enjoyed that. Uh, where there's a will. Um, uh, I like the last track, Roxanne Sweet. Just simply, it's it's an instrumental, but I just really, I don't know. I just like the roll credits nature of it. It kind of gives gives off that uh, roll credits vibe. Um, I, I must say, uh, your brother does as the first track is very fun as well. I really enjoyed that one as well. Um, but yeah, uh, a question I wanted to ask, right? Because um, as 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 well, might as well finish up since I finished because uh, since you've gone way ahead, um. Since you asked me an existential question um, last week about Roxanne Chantay and if uh, you know if she ever wanted to do an album, could she actually do it or whatever it was, I forget. Um, and actually, as an ad- as, as an addendum to that, I feel like Roxanne, if she was like born like around my time, she definitely would be just like in URL now and just like just just it's constantly on url streams and just battle rapping that'd be kind of fire just to think about um as a uh i, I don't know it's like a uh what's the word uh, a parallel universe kind of thing it feels just like a structure back then for like a url type Ulmer rap league type uh battle rapping just a uh, ecosystem i'll be kind of passing anyway existential question i want to throw out to you so we both agree that rock the real roxanne's albums are just better in 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 every way right um just as albums especially just uh, putting it simply so why do you think it is and you probably already said it or you probably already know why is it that roxanne didn't get the why why is she so hard to find now do you think what do you mean like uh, martinez yeah hard to find in what way hard to find i feel like uh you know roxanne chante is reasonably easy to like see these days right in that fashion um Mm. and easy to find i see uh, in terms of hip-hop history like if if the roxanne wars didn't exist and obviously that (laughs) that that changes a lot of things but just roll with me this if if that wasn't uh as big of a thing as it was right let's just say that if it wasn't as big as a thing uh, I would understand if uh, the way the real Roxanne is about right now, in terms of just finding her music or just um, you know, just her chapter in history, um, in hip hop history, I feel like it's just uh, it's just not quite there. Um, but I was just wondering if you had any, uh, I guess. Uh, theory or hypothesis as to why it's like so hard to just like uh even look up this person you know and uh, it, it didn't doesn't seem as easy from a research standpoint yeah well i think it's pretty uh straightforward because you know shante was shante she's the one that started the roxanne wars that nothing none of this would exist without shante she was the the focal point the lightning rod as we said last week She's the superstar. She's the one that came before all else. She was 14 and her story afterwards was tortured. Obviously, Roxanne. Roxanne came out in 2017, the movie. So, you know, there's there's laser-focused mm. attention on, on Shantae and her role. And a lot of people recognize what happened to Shantae now in hindsight and see the injustice of it. And they want to ride for her and they want to fight for her and they want her on their platform so that they can give her her flowers. Uh, Martinez wasn't even 
she didn't even record the first song, Real Roxanne. You know, that was Elise Jack. So Martinez was, you know, I, I think what happened was, and it's it's interesting, the, the interesting part of it to me is the fact that Martinez had a solo career and had a strong solo career for two albums. That is more than I expected because I saw her as someone who auditioned to play a role and won that audition and got that role. But like her... You know, there are so many other players in the Roxanne Wars that I don't think Martinez is... Maybe you could even argue that Sparky D is just as important in the Roxanne Wars, even more important maybe than Martinez because Sparky D existed, mm. you know, prior to the Roxanne Wars. You know, Sparky D kind of engaged in this unprovoked and then ended up doing an EP with Shantae. They would actually go on tour together and battle together. The real Roxanne mm-hmm. to me seems like someone who just kind of wanted to kind of get into this and, and inhabit this role and, you know, use it to prop up their own career and their own objectives that were separate from the Roxanne Wars. And I think she, you know, I, I think she's a female MC who did really well, but just not not the key player at all in the Roxanne Wars. I would even argue, and I know that we did the real Roxanne because we did Shantae last week, and I don't think we were doing Sparky D this this. Uh, Women's History Month. I'm sure we'll do her at some point, but I would argue that Sparky D is more important in this story than uh, Martinez. Absolutely, I think Martinez was, you know, Martinez was Martinez. She came in. Uh, I don't think a lot of people expected her to do what she did solo, but because those albums weren't world beating, they weren't like Queen Latifah, MC Light level. They weren't, you know, Salt and Pepper level. Then she's always going to be a little bit of a remnant. Uh, and a little bit of a thing that happened at that point in time and, and didn't go anywhere after that. And, you know, if you look at through history with MCs, there's plenty of MCs like that. You know, there's so many MCs like that. I was, the first one that pops into my head is Obi Trice. You know, Obi Trice was right in the middle of everything when Shady Records was blowing up. He dropped the classic debut album, Cheers, unbelievable record. Do you see Obi Trice around anymore? You don't see him on socials. You don't see interviews with him. He doesn't release statements. Mm. He doesn't do anything anymore because he was a moment. And that moment was amazing, Mm. you know. And this is how I feel. Like, I was on the ground. I was around for Obi Trice's thing. I wasn't around for Martinez. And I think that Martinez just wanted to leave the music industry and wanted to put it behind her and wanted to, you know, go go in a completely different direction with her life. And again, there's, there's plenty of MCs that are like that. We just... We just don't think about them as much. And I'm sure we'll come across more and more as we go through these episodes. But um, I think that's mm. why. I think that's why, I, you know, to boil it down, I know I rambled a bit there, but Shantae was the focal point. Shantae was the Roxanne Wars, and Martinez was a player in them and a, and a character in them. But, you know, a bit part player, really, when you consider how fucking essential Shantae and Sparky D were. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, you're talking to a guy who rambles, like, you know, for hours on end. So, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. We got the answer. And uh, I think more than that. And, uh, yeah, with that said, we shall finish up there. And uh, hop on to Line Note if you have anything. Uh, no, I don't really have anything this week. Do you have anything? Is Benjamin on your birth certificate? It is, yeah. Benjamin is my okay. um, my birth name, Benjamin Carter. Okay, because uh, I always, um, I, I generally always thought my birth name was Charles, but actually never was. It was <laughs> like always Charlie. Was my first yeah, it was always Charlie. I was just, I, 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 know, I was, I just assumed because you know most people just like give the royal name, like uh, the 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 nerdy name on on top of it, 
Um, but uh, yeah, it's always always been Charlie. So uh, just uh, something, uh, something I thought about. Cool name. Um, I like literally just Charles. just uh, just off the dome. That was just off the dome. <laughs> so I just said Benjamin too. I was just like, I wonder if that's his if that's his uh, if that's his team. <clears throat> yeah, it gets me in a bit of trouble um, in uh, in in official documentation. And you put your name Ben down, and then they're like, well, you're not really Benjamin. And then it just gets a bit messy. Really? Mm, it does. It's unnecessary. I think. I mean, so. everyone shortens everyone shortens their name. Well, you know, no, no, nobody. If you're called Reginald, everybody's going to call you Reggie, right? Everyone or Reg, like you know what I mean. So everyone's going to do that. Like, so I don't, I don't get why. See, I'm kind of glad it's just Charlie because, like, people, some people call me Charles just for the, you know, for the fun of it. But um, it's just like, yeah. No, like you know, nobody's you know when I go through the docks, they're not going to call me that. You know what I mean? So it gives a shit. Are you thinking, um, were you thinking so, about Redman when you said Reginald? <laughs> um, Reginald. no. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a good, it's a good shout. I would, I probably, probably just said, said, yeah, go on then. But no, I was just uh, thinking of saying something else. But it was just a name I thought of. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, it's just weird. Just weird how names uh, come about. Like you know, I don't know why they're beefing you on it. It's weird, a bit weird. People are beefing yeah. me on it. No, you you said people are beefing you on it. It's like so that's not your name. Oh, oh, I just you know I'm I'm a hyper focused at the moment because I'm just getting I get I get dragged every day. And the thing <laughs> is, like, I don't always see what people say about me on Twitter because they do it. They don't tag me, so I've and I don't know. So then all of a sudden, I, I someone sends me a tweet and it's got like 500 likes, and someone's hammering me about something. Like, guys. What, what? Why didn't you tell me about this shit? Like, what the fuck? The other, that one thing I did want to say is, um, you know, there's a big interview coming this week. How do you feel about uh, who I've who I've chosen to interview this this week uh, on uh, I'm, Beauty of I'm, Independence? I'm, 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 uh, as an executive producer of uh, said <laughs> podcast, I am a profession. I am objectively and uh, professionally allowing it. Uh, but as uh, uh, subjectively, I'm uh, I'm boycotting it. Well, just wait till you watch the interview and then see how you feel after that. Because uh, this not yeah you we just see there's a, there's a, there's a reason there's a reason. I mean yeah well I mean don't promise shit don't don't promise me anything like you know I mean just just uh, I'm not expect I'm not expecting uh, I'm not expecting what I want so uh, I'm just gonna. Well, you know the kind of person I am, so you're probably not going to get that, but you might get. <laughs> something let's just say that like I, i'm not i'm not a mean person i'm not a sure journalist it up go for it that's fine that's mm. fine if, that's I get, other... if i get if i get that i don't want i don't want any i don't want anyone calling them a journalist themselves a journalist if they just ask puff questions to artists like tell me about this song or this song sounded interesting what did you think about yeah, this? If you or... if you ain't doing if you ain't doing what um if you ain't doing what B dot and L- Elliot did uh, when Drake was like in hot water um and just it was like a nothing interview uh, if you're doing <laughs> so that like sad. there's no it's like why are we What's here why, why are we here What's the why point Look I understand look I have hip hop numbers so I understand sometimes I just put out trash content just to get clicks and to get myself a platform big enough that I can interview people like Shaynua or Kembe or you know toby or the you know the people that i'm i'm interviewing like i understand that but but if you have an opportunity to do something like drake coming in after the the, the pusha t stuff 
bro, 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 you've got to either not take that opportunity or you've got to hit hard. And if you don't want to hit hard, then don't take the opportunity. That's cool. There's plenty of people out there who will do that interview. Markman will do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Let him do it. You don't have to do it. Let him do it, man. Let Zane Lowe do it. Fuck, man. Get a brick wall. I mean, you might as well get a brick wall rather than Zane Lowe. Just give Drake a chair in front of a brick wall. And Zane Lowe can sit behind a brick wall if he wants. It would be just as effective as if he was in front of it. Okay. Uh, it it just every time every time I we have a conversation about just a uh, journalistic uh integrity and stuff like that, it just it just evolves to it just evolves to Ben just shitting just shitting on <laughs> just fucking Zane Lowe. I hate Zane Lowe. Lowe. It's I so hilarious. It's I, so hilarious. He's it makes trash. me laugh so much. He's new, did you say he's new, he's New Zealand? He's not British. He's from he's he's from New Zealand. Oh, he he got he, he got his come up in he got his come up in Britain, but he is New Zealand. He is New Zealand. New Zealand's the greatest country in the world. How they fuck did that? How do you happen? not get it from his accent? It's clearly New Zealand. Like, it's because not I like... didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe it. There's a part of me that's like, no, surely not. Surely not. New Zealand is incredible. Oh no, your your entire worldview on how great New Zealand is 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 is, is it's just a it's just a big black hole right there of just saying oh, be it ex- knocked, existing. It's knocked it down a few rungs. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> That's a blight. That's a blight. Uh, it's churlish. I love it. <laughs> so churlish. <laughs> Outstanding. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get on that uh, the beauty of independence, obviously that's in the description of the full show notes. To just uh, have my uh, to have my um, uh, producer ob- uh, obligations out of the way, since you ha- if you guys have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, uh, Ben has his own spin-off interview series, uh, the beauty of independence, where he interviews uh, artists and uh, authors and other stuff, and all in the umbrella of independence, uh, which is all well and good. And uh, yeah, so go pe- go spin that if you haven't. And uh, we shall leave it at that. Ladies and gentlemen, from the 5th End Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I have been Charlie Taylor of The Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter, Benjamin Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yes. I, I, was, I, was, I, was te- I was telepathically saying, say Benjamin, say Benjamin. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> we hope you'll have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. Lil Kim next week with, a, mm. with the, with the, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it now. We're going to do the intro in the most grim way possible. No, 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 don't do it. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. Just, I'll silence just, that. Just, just, um, just, yeah, just, um, I'm doing it. Just, just leave it. Just leave it. We're, we're going to do it for sure. But if you, you guys want to hear, have, just... you're going to have no idea how I made the sound either. I'm going to make it and you don't know. Honestly, like... you send it to me on a voicemail and I was just like, I was I was creasing up, but afterwards I was just like, yeah. how the fuck did he actually like make that? So I, I don't even want to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> I even say it, but just, 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 it's gonna happen next week. If you know, you know, it's gonna happen. Just, I don't know. Protect you your ears. We can't. Humans can't physically close our ears, but you might be able to, with how nasty this shit is gonna be. Oof. So just bear warning. Lil Kim next week. Let's go and get filthy. And when I said, hope you all have a good week. We're sure always trying to do the same. Until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is piece of media games by bonus points. Place the chill records for bits to use. 
socials for Fifth Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, bonus points and job breakers will be in full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element podcast or production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you next time. Dig in in the digits.